Welcome to Accessible, the podcast that opens the door to disability leaders and their ideas. I'm George Gatto. And I'm Amelia Raggard. We're glad you joined us. Accessible features interviews and insights from leaders in the disability field. By listening, you can gain knowledge for your own life, career, and professional development. In turn, share these ideas to help others learn from you. Accessible is a partnership between the Missouri Leadership Education in Neurodevelopmental Disabilities, or LIND, and the Missouri University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. LIND's purpose is to prepare graduate students for future work in the field of developmental disabilities. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, well, welcome to Accessible. Today we are talking with John Cheetah, the Executive Director for the Association of University Centers on Disability. And it is just a real pleasure to have you with us, John. Uh, Welcome. Thanks, George. Happy to be here. Looking uh, forward to the conversation. Well, um, so the way we usually start these is that we just ask our guests, how did you get into this field and and come to work uh, with people who have developmental disabilities and uh, just in the field broadly? Uh, great question. And then for me, this is uh, very personal. And I, I literally uh, fell into this as a career. Uh, it was back in 1993. I had uh, graduated from college uh, uh, a few years earlier and uh, was an English major, was, was going to write the next great American novel, actually. And Me too. Quickly found out nobody was willing to pay me to do that. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I found a job at the state capitol in Minnesota. Uh, They're working for the Minnesota House of Representatives. They, they published a weekly magazine um, of the goings on at the, at the state capitol. And uh, I got bit by the, the political bug. It was a, a great introduction to politics and, and understanding really how to the levers of, of government worked and how programs were funded. And, and I was deep in the uh, health and human services space. So was, was learning an awful lot about disability programs and uh, services. Uh, at that time, I did not have a disability, but uh, it was in September of 1993. I was still working in that position. I was riding my bicycle to the state Capitol and uh, I hit a bad patch of gravel uh, just opposite the cathedral in in St. Paul, Minnesota, and flipped over the handles of my bicycle and hit a lamppost and sustained a permanent uh, spinal cord injury. So, oh man, wow! I, uh, when I say I literally fell into the job, uh, I spent a couple of months in the hospital in rehab and and then went back to work at the state capitol in the same job with a very different perspective, obviously, and looking at those systems of government, those committee discussions, how those decisions were being made, it became very clear to me very quickly uh, that things that were happening there were not in the best interest of people with disabilities. Is that when you... Is that when you moved into sort of um, an advocacy role or what, what was your next step? You know, I stayed in that job for another four years, but it was because uh, I, I could no longer just be a witness to the process. I, I needed to jump on the other side of the fence. Uh, I had an opportunity to uh, 
secure a fellowship at Georgetown University, uh, studying health services research with, with the intention of getting into the, uh, the disability field. So um, trained as a health services researcher, did a lot of work with uh, Medicaid managed care in particular and, and how uh, people with disabilities were affected by that. And uh, ever since then have been working in different roles, but, but really working at the intersection of disability policy and research. I learned pretty quickly that I didn't necessarily want to do research myself, but having that training, being able to speak the language, being able to take that research and use it to drive positive policy change, uh, use it to develop programs and services for people with disabilities, uh, that really became my passion and why I continue to do what I do today uh, for AUCD. I, I do want to get to the AUCD, but I do know there are some uh, interesting things about your career, John, that um, that I'd like to hear about, and which is I know that you were with NIDLER, the National Institute on Disability and Independent Living Rehabilitation Research, although I think it was not NIDLER at the time. But can you talk about your career in sort of a, a federal organization like that, um, what, what you did there? Sure. So I had been working for a community-based disability service provider in uh, Minnesota that did both medical and community-based services for about 15 years and got a phone call from a friend of mine who was then the director of, uh, of Nidler and said, would you, would you be interested in, in coming to, uh, to DC to work for the, uh, presidential administration, uh, said I'd love to, as I said, had spent much of my career at that intersection of disability policy and research. And Nidler, as an agency, is uh, one of the largest funders of disability grants uh, across the federal government. And, and really, their sweet spot is in the applied research space. So what do I mean when I say that? I and mean, this is research that really looks at evaluating programs and services to see if they work for people with disabilities. Employment programs, for example. How can we uh, look at what strategies are working uh, to see what, what is gonna work best for people with disabilities and for people with different kinds of, of disabilities. Um, that, that agency also develops technologies. There's a technology component. so. People like me who use a wheelchair uh, for mobility purposes, there have been a lot of uh, research grants funded uh, to improve that level of technology, to improve seating systems, as an example. So um, being able to lead that agency, work with some of the smartest people, most committed people that I've ever worked with um, before, and uh, an awful lot of crossover uh, in the population of grantees uh, who have been awarded funds from Nidler, uh, who are also in the UCD network. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, but being able to sit within government and using that uh, to influence what other parts of government are doing. So being able to sit at a table with disability leaders from the Department of Labor, to sit at a table with other folks within the National Institutes of Health and really to normalize disability across those 
different agencies to be able to explain the importance of community living and to try and have an influence with how those folks were doing their grant making decisions as well so that people with disabilities weren't an afterthought, but were an integral part of their grant making process as well. Great. Is there anything that you would say um, LEND trainees or just students in our field should know about Nidler uh, as they move into the into the field, their professional careers? The LEND trainees are really in a in a great space and, and where there's an awful lot of commonality between the LEND training program and NIDLER, um, by definition, LEND is interdisciplinary, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about touching people in a, in a variety of ways. And whether you're coming at that training as a physician, a family member, or, or someone who's going to be a physical therapist or, or a speech therapist, there's a recognition that you're a part of a greater whole when it comes to engaging with the individual with a disability in order to maximize their independence and, and their ability to function in the community. And the philosophy of Nidler is exactly that. I mean, it's a, it's a team approach. This isn't one researcher sitting in an office doing a project by him or herself. There, there needs to be a team. There needs to be a holistic approach. And this, the mission of this agency, yes, it's to, it's to add to the body of science, but it's how they do it. And the way they do it, they engage people with disabilities. They engage people from historically underrepresented groups and populations and really strongly encourage. And the only way you're going to be successful in getting a grant from that agency is with, if you're working with a very diverse team toward a focused outcome. So for those land trainees out there who are envisioning um, developing programs, developing services, or they want to be researchers themselves, uh, they really should look into Nidler as a potential funding source and as a fellowship opportunity. There, there are what are called Switzer fellowships for both early career professionals and mid-career professionals. So once you graduate from your program, whatever that may look like, there's also an opportunity to continue your education, to further your work with uh, with fellowship opportunities from NIDLR as well. Wow, that sounds like a really great opportunity because I think that just in this field, figuring out what is the next step and how do you, especially in particular, if you're interested in research, how do you sort of like break in, so to speak, into that um, that discipline in that area? Um, so, John, I'd be interested to hear um, you describe to our listeners what is AUCD, and um, what would what would the public, what would LEND trainees need to know about AUCD? Sure. So, what is what is AUCD? Um, AUCD is close to an eight hundred million dollar network of university-based researchers, trainers, service providers, and advocates who, who advance policies and practices to improve the health and education and social and economic well-being of, of people with developmental and other disabilities, uh, as well as their families and communities. So that sounds like a real mouthful, right? But, but what it really means is that there are thousands of people across the country, including trainees and emerging leaders, in every state and territory, working with and on behalf of people with disabilities to make their lives better. We've, we've got a total of 143 network centers across the country now that often serve 
as a vital link between the academic world and the community. So we have 67 of these university centers for excellence in developmental disabilities funded by the administration on community living that are very community focused. We have 60 now of those leadership education and neurodevelopmental and related diseases or LEND programs funded by the Maternal and Child Health Bureau. I didn't know we had that many LENDs at this point. They just got bumped from, uh, from 52 to 60. And, and the way I like to talk about that is it's, it's really disability competency training. It's, mm-hmm. it's taking these emerging leaders of today, regardless of what job that they're going to enter, what career path they're going to take. And, and yes, it's leadership training, but it's helping them to understand at a, at a deep level how to engage, how to engage in a meaningful and constructive way people with disabilities to understand that, that lived experience. And we've got a, the last prong of our network, but not least, there are 15 intellectual and developmental disabilities research centers uh, funded by uh, the National Institutes of Health. And these, these folks are the, the white lab coat scientists, the, the basic scientists, if you will, uh, based in labs. And they're really looking at underlying causes of disability. And, and in some cases, studying things at a cellular or a, or a genetic level, um, but also often working in a clinical setting where folks are doing genetic counseling um, for families who, who may uh, have done some testing and, and will uh, be having a child um, that uh, will need some assistance along the way and, and need some medical and uh, clinical interventions for them to live a, a full enriched life. So I started by saying that the network is incredibly diverse and you can see they're embedded in medical schools and clinics, as well as colleges of education and other settings focused on social sciences. But what they all have in common uh, isn't just a, a passion and commitment to people with disabilities, but a commitment to training the leaders of tomorrow, building the bench of researchers, health practitioners, service providers, and advocates, and again, doing that with and on behalf of of people with disabilities. That is excellent. And we are really lucky in Missouri in that we have um, all three of those programs. You know, here at where Amelia and I are, we have the USED um, at the University of Missouri in Kansas City. And then over at the University of Missouri in Columbia, they have the LEND with whom we, we partner. And then we also have our partners at the University of Washington, or I'm sorry, Washington University in St. Louis, um, who have our IDDRC. So we, we're real fortunate to have that network just within our state. And there are 10 places like that around the country where, uh, where we've got the, the combination of all three. And it really does provide opportunities for, and I know you guys are, are, are doing great things uh, collaboratively. In, uh, in Missouri across those three centers, shared grant opportunities and all focused toward positive outcomes for people with disabilities and their families. John, can you talk a little bit about the different councils at AUCD and how to get connected to those or what, and, and what, what the purpose of the councils are? Great question. So uh, we have five councils at AUCD and, and this is an opportunity for anybody uh, especially our land trainees uh, to to join and and really to learn to learn more. Um, 
in a, in a variety of different disciplines and, and some of those councils break down uh, by the core functions that are, are statutorily defined for the university centers on excellence in developmental disabilities. Um, and I'll get into the, the, the different councils and what they do, but I want the trainees to understand that this is a very generous network. Uh, folks are always looking to help uh, young and emerging leaders, um, especially in the context of these councils. Again, great learning opportunities. And I'll just tick through uh, some of them so you can understand what they're all about. Our, our Council on Research and Evaluation, for example, for anyone who's considering uh, a career in, in research or evaluation. Uh, and these groups meet uh, at least quarterly, sometimes uh, more often every year. And you can find out on our website at uh, aucd.org. Uh, there's a, a page for every one of the councils, so you can track that down and, and learn more about their activities, their mission, and who the leadership is. Uh, and there's opportunities to join listservs so that you'll also get uh, email messages from these groups as conversations progress. So there's the, the Council on Research and Evaluation. We also have a multicultural council. So this is uh, a group that is and has uh, looked at uh, traditionally underrepresented and under-resourced populations uh, across the country. Uh, our board and our network has spent uh, the last few years really looking at the, the question of equity, defining what that means in a disability context. Uh, the MCC, the Multicultural Council, is really uh, looking at that and assisting the network in, in helping to advance uh, our efforts when it comes to equity. I have to say um, that while historically the MCC uh, was established uh, in particular for these particular issues, we're doing a much better job of bringing together the co-chairs of all of our different councils, and there are five of them, so that this work is embedded in all of our councils. It's not just the responsibility of the multi multicultural council. But if that's of interest to you, again, there's a, a listserv to join to do that. We also have the Council on Leadership and Advocacy. Uh, this council is comprised of self-advocates and family members and their allies. So anyone can join. You don't need to have a disability. You don't need to be a family member of someone with a disability. But uh, really, these are are coming at network issues from that lived experience and family member perspective uh, to understand how uh, people with disabilities can and should be uh, embedded in everything that we do. That perspective should be heard um, no matter what our, our different centers are doing. Are there many uh, people with uh, developmental disabilities or disabilities in the network who are participating as researchers or program directors or? Absolutely. Yes. And we have a number of, of different projects that are, are really highlighting those. Uh, we have a, a, a grant uh, at AUCD where we're partnering with UCLA. It's a HRSA funded grant looking at uh, research on autism uh, and really physical health in autism. And there's a, a council of autistic researchers that's engaged in that process. Um, our gala this year is focused on inclusive science. 
including people with disabilities at all parts of the research process. So I think that that project in particular is a great uh, example of that. Um, our university centers on excellence in developmental disabilities, they all by law have to have a consumer advisory council. So people with IDD and their family members are, are engaging uh, at multiple levels, having an influence on what's happening in the centers there. And within the LEND programs, we, we have self-advocates who are also participating in, in those trainings as well. So, and, and from a research standpoint, that core council that I mentioned, uh, inclusive science is going to be the priority for this year. So uh, how are we engaging people with IDD in particular at all points in the research process? That's the place to go to have that uh, conversation. The two other councils that we have, I'll mention very briefly, the National Training Directors Council, um, made up of all of our training directors. And certainly there's uh, an overlap with the LEND uh, program there. And the final council, uh, the Council on Education and uh, Dissemination, really looking at getting materials uh, that are produced at network centers in the hands of family members, people with disabilities and community organizations. And increasingly there's a focus on plain language there. So ensuring that people with intellectual and developmental disabilities have access to that information. Great, thank you for summarizing those for us. For our listeners, we'll drop that page on the AUCD site that lists those councils for anyone interested in learning more and maybe getting involved. So, John, one thing that our LEND trainees tell us every year in the, their evaluations is that they're really interested in, in learning about policies and how policy impacts future work in the field. And so they always appreciate policy discussions when they're a part of the LEND training. And so I was going to ask, are there any current policies or bills federally that we should be aware of, that LEND trainees and others in the field should be aware of and that are being considered right now? There's always pending legislation that, uh, uh, that affects not just LEND trainees, but, but uh, all of our, our centers and uh, ultimately affect the lives of, uh, of people with disabilities. So, um, you know, every year, uh, one of the things that AUCD does is, is to fight for additional funds for programming. Um, we are in what's called that funding and appropriations process right now and looking to increase the amount of money that's going toward uh, LEND programs. So not just to increase the number of programs, but really to allow those programs to grow and flourish. We hear every year from our LEND directors, you know, uh, I've got more people uh, that want to join this program than I can fund. So, so that's, uh, that's something that's, that's always top of mind. And we're always looking for great stories uh, from the LEND trainees to talk about the value of their experience. What has it meant to you? What, what, where were you at when you came into the program? And, and as a result of the program, where are you today? And how is that influencing your uh, career path? Um, there's a lot of focus right now on being able to uh, address the direct uh, workforce shortage issue. Uh, mm -hmm. For people with disabilities to live successfully in the community, a lot of people need help, uh, myself included. Uh, need help getting out of bed every morning because of my disability, help with uh, activities of, of daily living, and there just aren't enough 
people uh, willing to do that work for the wage uh, that's being offered. So a lot of creative solutions are being proposed at the national level, career ladders and career paths for people entering these positions so that they can see themselves in them, not just when they may be in college and as a source of income before they move on to their career, but to view them as a career in and of itself, to be able to help and work in partnership with people um, with disabilities. So I think those are a few concrete examples um, uh, where LEND folks may have an interest. Um, certainly always looking for additional fellowship opportunities and training opportunities. I mentioned sort of that next career step for, for LEND trainees and Nidler being one option. There are other grants available through the National Institutes of Health, and I'd be happy to provide you with links to put on the website as well. We're always yeah, fighting for, more for those training opportunities. Yeah, we'll share anything that you um, are able to send us about those. I think the trainees would really appreciate that. So, John, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're interested in hearing stories um, from the trainees. Is there a place they should go or how, how could uh, someone share their story if, if they wanted? Yeah, so I can provide you with a link there too. We are always um, trying to hear from um, the people throughout our network. And, and I talked about in my career, living at that intersection of, of policy and research and using research to help influence policy, but it's not just the data and it's not just the numbers that help us. We, we need human stories and we need the experiences of trainees um, and every year we do a, 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 a training for all of our LEND trainees, and we'll be doing that uh, webinar again this year for those who are interested in participating in the Disability Policy Seminar, which will occur this year from March 28th to, uh, to March 30th. Um, but the power of the personal story, you, you don't need to be an expert in policymaking. You are an expert in your own experience. And... It can be a personal connection to disability that you may have in your family. I think all of us know someone with a disability or have been touched by one. It can be a story about uh, something that you experienced during your LEND time within the university. It can be a lecture that you heard. It can be a paper that you wrote. It can be an interaction that you had with a fellow trainee or, or someone in a clinical or a medical setting, but, but the power of that personal story uh, is, is just as important as, as having the data and having the numbers when, when we're talking to policies to try and improve programs and services for people with disabilities. So happy to provide that uh, link to you. If you want to go digging again on our website, www.aucd.org and uh, if you just Google submit my story, you'll, you'll get to the right spot. Awesome. We will definitely have that, that in the show notes. So uh, I'm going to shift just a little bit, John. So hopefully we are coming out of, of this pandemic. Um, certain, I was going to say, you know, the, this pandemic that we've been experiencing, but really it's, um, it just seems to never end. And I'm wondering, you know, do you have any thoughts on the pandemic, how it's impacted our field or, um, you know, what, what, uh, 
what is going to happen to people with disabilities as a result of the, the pandemic? It's a great question. Um, and in many ways, the pandemic has been devastating for the disability community. In many ways, it's exacerbated a lot of problems that we knew were there uh, before the pandemic. And, and certainly access to services is one. Um, if we look at things uh, in an employment context, you know, meaningful employment for people with disabilities uh, was a challenge before the pandemic. When things uh, started to shut down, we saw a lot of people lose their jobs. From an education standpoint, um, I had a conversation with a number of our network leaders, um, with, with um, folks at the Federal uh, Department of Education, you know, kids that are being served on uh, IEP plans. You know, they were assessed two years ago, and, and then what happened? Uh, are they getting the access to the services they need? Where are those, where are those uh, IEPs at? If we look at transition age and people coming out of high school and transitioning to uh, not just the adult medical system, if they have a developmental disability, but transitioning to meaningful work and, and what does that look like? So, you know, it's easy to admire the problem and say we have multiple challenges. On the positive side, we've seen a lot of flexibilities in federal programs as a result of the pandemic, we've seen creative solutions, uh, not just within our network, but within uh, the service provider community as well. Um, we've seen a lot more reimbursement for programs like telework and telehealth more broadly. So not just um, clinical interventions happening in a, in a telemedicine context, but things like job coaching, mental health services. We know that Social isolation has been a huge factor for people with disabilities. Loneliness has been a factor. So what I and a number of other leaders in the disability community have been doing is trying to gather these successes, these emerging best practices, these, these flexibilities that have been granted by federal funding sources and, and also enacted at the state level as well. How can we preserve these flexibilities and, and granted, telework and telemedicine is not a panacea. We know that. In many cases, it's not a substitute for in-person in services. There's always going to be a need for that. But how can we use this crisis to envision the service system of tomorrow that we all want? We know that things weren't perfect before COVID, but how can we use the research? How can we use the personal stories? How can we use some of these emerging best practices to keep those flexibilities, to change those policies, to change the way that services are, are being provided that happens in the best interest of people with disabilities. And I would say that some of our network centers have been in the forefront of that, both in a clinical context and in a community-based context. So those are the stories we're sharing with policymakers. Those are the stories we're telling to our federal partners Nobody wants to go back to the way that things were before um, COVID. How can we continue to evolve systems and policies and practices to make things better for people with disabilities? Yes, thank you. It reminds me a little bit of when you think of like the principles of universal design of spaces and how um, those things, they benefit everybody in a society, right? Automatic doors or curb cuts or those sort of things. Um, 
and just how this move towards telehealth and telemedicine and remote work and all of these sort of things have benefited all of us and um, particularly benefited people with disabilities. And it's unfortunate that it took a pandemic for us to realize that things that have been said for years, we need more of these um, options, we need more access to technology and whatnot. But um, I myself just had a telehealth appointment for my daughter last week, and it made it incredibly easy to get her what I needed and uh, to get her taken care of. And so um, I hope that that others are able to share their stories and that is able to influence where we head out from here because I agree, I think um, these things that we've learned to do over the last two years really benefit everyone. Great example. John, thank you. You've been so generous with your time and we just we really have just one uh, one more question, maybe two. Um, sure. Yeah. The, and that really is kind of looking to the future. So we're, we are hopefully moving out of COVID. Where do you see things going uh, in our field? And, um, or, you know, how do you, what do you, if you had your crystal ball, what would you uh, say it's going to look like in, in five years when we write our next core grant? You know, I, the level of collaboration that I have seen the last two years across the AUCD network uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, where you may have expected a, a retrenchment or, or people to sort of buckle down given financial pressures, and, and those financial pressures are real uh, at the university level, not just within the LEND programs, but across all of our, our, our centers. Um, but that hasn't happened. Um, we, we continue to get requests for more uh, collaborative opportunities. As I see the, the grant proposals that are being written uh, across our network, um, looking to the future, trying to envision this new system of, of services and supports, uh, I don't see that going away. I see that getting stronger, which I think is a, a good sign. I think to be more specific, uh, this question of equity is, is not going away. Um, and, and our network has a strong history of looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think we've made great progress in diversity. I think we've made great progress in inclusion. Uh, where we've got some work to do across the network is in that equity space and, and defining what that means in a disability context. And as we put together programming as we put together uh, programs and services and, and even at a staff level, ensuring that our centers and if I think of our work in DC within the central office, ensuring that our staffing reflects uh, the community and the communities that, uh, that are being served. So um, there's an increasing expectation on the part of all federal funding agencies um, that, that this gets addressed and gets addressed in a, in a meaningful way. And I, I do think we're making progress. Um, I'll just plug some podcasts on the uh, AUCD website as an example. Please, please do. Our university uh, centers on excellence and developmental disabilities has put together a series of, of podcasts and it's all about the personal story and it's, it's all about equity, asking hard questions. And, and having hard conversations, recognizing that this isn't easy, but that we do need to make progress. And uh, J.D. Flores, who is a, a board member at AECD, serves as uh, 
the host of that podcast and I'll, I'll plug um, the most recent episode where we had uh, Elizabeth Morgan, uh, who is also the emerging leader representative on the AUCD board, uh, who was interviewed about the experience of, of black uh, mothers uh, of kids with, with disabilities uh, during this COVID context. So, um, you know, we're, we're coming at this from a, a variety of ways through, as I mentioned, grant partnerships and collaborations. But again, the power of the personal story, this is an area where we need to make progress. And this can happen within every center. Um, and there are great things that are happening across the country. And I'm encouraged by that. I think that progress will continue over the next five years. And I'm excited to see where we go as a network as a result of that. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. We, we will also um, supply links to to the podcast. I've, I'm have i a regular listener of, of, of JD's uh, podcast. It's, it's excellent. Um, so, John, if people wanted to either learn more about you or get in touch with you, um, how can they find you uh, online or in social media, those sorts of things? Sure. Well, uh, yes, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, I'll give you my email, which is jcheetah, J-T as in Tom, S as in Sam, C-H-I-D-A, at A-U-C-D dot org. Uh, would be happy to chat with uh, anyone uh, out there who may be listening or connect you to resources that might be helpful to you or your uh, organization, especially if there's anything that I've touched on today, you know, we've, we've provided a lot of links. Uh, I've tried not to use acronyms as as best I can, but um, it's hard in our field. This can be a complicated business, but uh, please, please do reach out to learn more about AUCD. Uh, anything that we're doing, and, and not just in the context of the Great Lend program, uh, but but any of the other parts of our network as well. Well, excellent. Thank you so much, John. We really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you. Grateful for the invitation and uh, look forward to hearing more as this podcast continues with, uh, with other guests. Great, great to see you guys doing this. All right. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Accessible. Accessible is hosted and produced by George Gatto and Amelia Rygert and co-produced by Carrie Benson from the University of Missouri, Kansas City Institute for Human Development, which is the home of the Missouri USED. Accessible is a joint project between the Missouri USED and the Missouri LEND program, which is funded by the Health Resources and Services Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services through grant number T73MC00022. Episodes of Accessible are released every two weeks and can be found wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Join us next time to hear more insights and ideas from leaders in the disability world.